Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Hello, friends, and welcome to The Secret Podcast with Sixth Sense Media and Service of Change. It's the show that challenges reality, questions that which we've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change. We make the paranormal feel quite normal and the supernatural quite natural. That's exactly what we aim to do on this episode of The Secret Podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Nappy II. Got a lot to talk about tonight. I came across... An old Tom DeLonge interview. I don't know how old it is, actually. I'm trying to track down the date between him and George Knapp. Very relevant. Uh, For me, it connected a lot of dots on the agenda behind what he's doing with his project through To the Stars and Secret Machines. I have a better understanding of what he's referring to when he mentions Secret Machines. It's interesting. I want to talk about that, analyze that a little bit. I can't get it out of my head. And I came across a recent Farsight remote viewing project in their, uh, they don't call it Time Cross anymore, maybe it's a mini mysteries project. They took a look at the crashed craft in Antarctica. Now this ties into so much, now Farsight's getting in on it, and they're seeing something down there, something old, something extraterrestrial. There is something going on, it's unfolding in the semi-mainstream, it's the, it, it's the mainstream scratching the surface, but it's there in the independent press, the people, the ufologists. It is there. There is something. We are living in these times right now, my friends. I want to talk about it. There's a lot of connections. Uh, again, I'll probably go off the deep end, but I, I want to explore some of these things that are going on. Of course, I have some news stories that I want to talk about as well. Yeah, and let's let's start with Facebook. The, I think, now infamous Facebook with this hack. You know, lately for the past couple weeks, I've been getting friend requests from people I'm friends with. And, you know, fortunately, I didn't look at that and go, oh, maybe they unfriended me and wanted to friend me back because then I look and they only have one or two followers. So I didn't touch it. I did not accept their friend request to be my friend. But it had, like, one picture of their profile and that was it. So that that was a red flag for me. And then a couple weeks later, we get this alert that, Facebook has been hacked. And, uh, you know, it was, it was in the news. I have an article I'm going to share about it in a minute. But actually, I on my phone, I had to log back into Facebook. And I was concerned about that at first. I, I went to log into Facebook on my phone. I went to turn on Facebook on my phone. You know, I opened up the app, which is automatically logged in all the time anyway on our phones. So I, lo- I opened it up, and it w- had logged me out. And I said, all right, this hasn't logged me out since I started with this phone. So I immediately shut my phone off because I thought maybe this is something weird. And I turned my phone back on and I went back into Facebook. And nope, lo and behold, I had to log back in. Did a little digging. I found out that was, I guess, a security measure. They logged every over 50, I think 80 million people. 50 million people were hacked. 80 million people had to be logged back in uh, as some kind of security measure. So I logged myself back into it. Um, haven't had a problem. I have had a couple friends send me weird Facebook messages I got one. It was. A, it says, "Hey, is this you with a YouTube video?" Stupid me. I, I clicked the link, but I, then it prompted me for you know you must log into Facebook to view this video and ask for my username and my password. Didn't fall for it, so I didn't get hacked. But just to be sure, 
I immediately went and I changed my Facebook password, and that was like three days ago. So, so far, so good. But I have some serious concerns here. Um, here's what it says. Hold on. Facebook, this is coming from CNN Business, dated October 4th, 2018. Facebook just had its worst hack ever, and it could get worse. Now, this is a scary article. I'm not going to lie to you. This is a fear-based article, but I want to share it with all of you. Um, not to scare you, but we really, I've been saying it, we need to be careful online. I, I said earlier, uh, you know, over the summer, I had some issues with some stuff going on online with people trying to, to come at me and stuff. So it, we are vulnerable out there. So just be mindful. Uh, but it says, on Sunday, September 16th, engineers at Facebook detected some unusual activity on the social media platform's networks. It was an attack, the biggest security breach in Facebook's history, and it would take the company 11 more days to stop it. Now, almost a week since the public was first told of the attack, we still barely know anything about what happened. Now, let me get this straight. They knew there was an attack going on on September 16th, and we don't hear about it for weeks later. I think that they have an obligation to let people know Facebook is under attack right now. We don't know what's going on. Clean your junk out of there in case you're being compromised. Number one, you shouldn't have any junk in there anyway, but a lot of us do. A lot of us have stuff in there that, besides just stuff that you could be used to blackmail you, you know, heaven forbid, we got personal stuff in there sometimes that could be used against you in a variety of ways from a marketing standpoint to target you in ways that might be unethical, gathering information about you. So I think Facebook, number one, dropped the ball right there at the beginning. I understand they want to protect their business. They want to protect their shareholders. And the last thing they want to say is, hey, nobody use Facebook until we figure out what's going on. But this is the platform that you're using and trusting with your information right now. They thought more about the shareholders, obviously, because they didn't let you know until several weeks later when this hack was over with, than they do about the security of your information. So I don't care what they tell you that they're doing to better protect you. If they cared about you, they would have sent out an alert immediately. You may be compromised right now. Do something about it. But they didn't do that. Shame on you, Facebook. Let me go back on. They don't know who the hackers were. I'm skimming through this. They know that at least 50 million users, the hackers could have seen everything. They could have logged in as if they were those users and then accessed years of those users' activity history on the platform, including their private messages. So this article goes on to tell you that maybe they were targeting uh, political affiliates so then when the you know, election comes out, they can go through their messages and they can blackmail them and, and you know, smear campaigns and all that stuff. And they're saying maybe it was intelligence operatives. You know, I, I used to say when I was in Intel... I would have loved to have Facebook when my job was to gather intelligence on people. From the simple fact that it shows you who your connections are, who your friends are. Now we're seeing locations. You can see what people eat. You can see what their thoughts are. You can see what their political affiliations are. Things that would take sometimes years to gather on a target. It's all right there in Facebook. So maybe the, quote, enemy is out there gathering information on us all. Here's something Facebook doesn't say. I'm going to put my tinfoil hat spin on it. Maybe it's Skynet. After last week's interview with Edward Reardon, I wouldn't put anything past what's going on in this reality right now. Maybe it was a hack by some kind of AI that's just kind of starting to get a feel for who's going to be a friend and who's going to be a foe. Well, I don't know how well it's going to go for me after uh, it checks my account and all the stuff I've been talking on on AI. Anyway, you can check this article out. It's probably going to scare the heck out of you. 
Um, you know, they referenced some other hacks that have happened in the past, how some people actually committed suicide. There was, uh, what was it called? The Cambridge Analytical? Nope, that was not that one. Ashley Madison. That was the Ashley Madison hack. It was a dating site for people cheating on their spouse. I guess people were committing suicide after that information came out. So it's a big deal. So th the question I have for us here, because we've been studying this, we've been following this, we've been analyzing the dangers of tech. Now, there's not benefits, but we've been analyzing the dangers of it. If someone or something hacked Facebook that has your personal information in it and could be potentially dangerous for you or cause you a lot of trouble in your life, do you really want to upload your mind and allow access to it via the web, the cloud, and AI? Think about that. Facebook is pretty personal for a lot of people out there. Do you want to give more access to what's inside your head by connecting it directly to the internet? Let's think about that. Use this as a warning, my friends. Start minimizing. If you don't want people to know it, don't put it online. That's just where we are right now. If you have something personal to say to somebody and you it's something you don't ever want to be known by anybody other than that person, then put pen to paper or have a direct conversation in a secure location. That's the age we live in. Uh, man, I'm, I'm sounding fear-mongering right here. But we need to start thinking about contingencies. We need to start thinking outside the box. We need to start thinking low-tech. I, I was talking with, um, with a former guest online, and, and he's got 5G towers going up all over his neighborhood. And uh, the concerns going around about that. Now, that ties into what I spoke with Edward about last week, how there, th this possible, you know, based on his remote viewing data, this possible AI signal that's going to go out all over the world. If you've got these 5G towers everywhere that are going to magnify the, I mean, it fits. It does fit. I know it sounds crazy, but it fits. Speaking of which, I want to shift gears for a, a slight second. I got a, uh, I, I saw something, it was a meme that I, that I saw on Instagram, and it was, a, it was a Twitter feed from John McAfee, you know, the founder of the, uh, the McAfee antivirus software, right, that we've all known for many, many years. I remember having McAfee back when I had AOL dial-up. Oh, man, that was a headache. So it was a, it was a screenshot of a Twitter post from him. So right away, I went to his Twitter feed to see, is this official? And the first thing that scared me is says, John McAfee has 110 posts in the past hour. I was like, man, this guy is busy on Twitter. I've never followed him before. But I scrolled through, and I found his post. Uh, and shoot, I didn't get a screenshot of the date. But it's in there. And I'm going to read a direct quote of it. Um, let's see here. The presidential alerts, they are capable of accessing the E911 chip in your phones, giving them full access to your location, microphone, camera, and every function of your phone. This is not a rant. This is from me, still one of the leading cybersecurity experts. Wake up, people. All right. Now, this is nothing we didn't know was going on. We know our phones are compromised. We know through Snowden that they're compromised. We know through WikiLeaks that the CIA compromised them, the NSA compromised them. China's compromised them. This is one more way that our phones have been compromised. Keep that in mind, okay? When To The Stars Academy first came out, they said they were going to come out with an app that can alert people if there's a UFO sighting in the area so that they can get their phones out. But what, and what I said back then was that this may be a, an Intel collection op if this app ever comes out 
to determine who was in the vicinity where this UFO was sighted. We don't know what the future holds. Man, I really feel like I'm throwing fire and brimstone here. I'm not trying to scare anybody. But we don't know what the future holds. We do see an escalation in disclosure-type events. We do see more public or official acknowledgement. We're starting to get more footage of sightings. We're talking about space wars. We're talking about the development of AI. Stuff's coming down the pike. I, I, I'm convinced of that. And I, again, I, I'm going against my what I try not to do, and I think I've been doing that more and more, so I want to apologize to all of you. But I'm seeing red flags here. We need to be cautious of our smartphones, of our Alexas in our homes, everything. As my smartphone is literally in my hand right now, probably listening to everything that I'm saying. So... We need to be wary of what's on there, what's out there, what we're saying in the vicinity of our phones because someone or something is gathering a lot of information about us. How will that be used? I don't know yet. What information is of value? I don't know yet. Is it going to be religious? Is it going to be political? Is it going to be your... Uh, beliefs in UFOs, your willingness to accept authoritarian rule. I don't know what kind of profiles they're, they're pulling on us. But maybe it's time to scale it back a little bit. Or maybe it's time to create the, the good citizen, ideal, whatever, profile outlook online. Create some kind of fake profile where they don't know who the heck you are. But that's just, just my thoughts on that. Let me get into some other news stories real quick. Um, This one, it was just interesting, comes from France24.com. It's titled, Increasingly Human-Like Robots Spark Fascination and Fear. See, I'm not the only one who feels this way. Madrid, from the Associated Free Press, sporting a trendy brown bob, a humanoid robot named Erica chats to a man in front of a stunned audience, uh, stunned audience members in Madrid. She and others like her are a prime focus of robotic research, as their uncanny human form could be the key to integrating such machines into our lives, said researchers gathered this week for the annual International Conference on Intelligent Robots. So I'm going to share this article in the show notes at sixcentsmedia.net. It'll be in the secret newsletter that'll come out on Sunday. And this talks about why they're making these robots to appear like people so they'll be easier to integrate into our lives. It's coming. They're going to be in our homes. Now, this robot, per se, is... is not trained to understand an entire conversation is trained to catch keywords and then have a response based on those keywords. So it's not a full AI yet, but it's coming. And I can't help in looking at this, just thinking about you know what what the the ancient text talked about, how the sons of the sons of God came under the daughters of man, and you know sex robots are being made, and, and it it just it makes some parallels there. But beyond that, we're seeing this Internet of Things. My, my kids have these toys. You know, it was the Furbies, and now they have these things called Draggles. And they respond to my kids' voices, and, and they're not too intelligent yet. But even my youngest has this tiny little monkey. It sits on her finger, and it, it just makes random sounds based on the type of motion you give it. But our children are getting more accustomed to robots and responsive tech around us. When I was a kid, robots had wires, or they... We're very basic remote control things. They're getting more complex and they're being more and more integrated into our children's lives. So when they become older, they're going to be quite comfortable accepting this type of technology in their homes. Is there a benefit to it? I say it all the time. Yes. 
absolutely, there's a lot of benefits that can come from this. But we need to be careful. That's that's all I can that's all I can say about that. I'm not gonna beat this up too much because I do a lot of shows on that. Right, episode 163, little side note there. I'm pretty excited about that. We, uh, we're definitely getting out there. A lot, of, a lot of great content. You can find it on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, anywhere where we have podcasts out there, you can give it a find, even on TuneIn Radio. All right, this one from Unknown Country. This is interesting. Our solar system has a goblin, and it hints at Planet Nine's existence. This is an awesome story here. Ray, I'm sure you're going to like this one. Uh, a diminutive goblin lurks in the cold, dark recesses of the heavens, far past the icy blue depths of Poseidon and even deeper into the void at the abode of Hades. And according to the explorers that discovered this strange entity, the millennial-long journey into the abyss that is the goblin takes uh, suggests that a resolution to an even deeper mystery, that of the elusive Planet Nine, may one day be solved. That's a great, that's great writing there. I'm sorry, I love Unknown Country. That's a great intro to an article. This not-so-mythic goblin is the newly discovered trans-Neptunian object designated 2015 TG387, nicknamed, quote, the Goblin. Due to a com combination of its discovery near Halloween and its initials TG, the Goblin was discovered by astronomers Scott Shepard from the Cambridge Institution of Science, Chad Trujillo from Northern Arizona University, and David Tholen from the University of Hawaii. The team was conducting a survey that was on the lookout for undiscovered trans-Neptunian objects, including the elusive Planet 9, using the Subaru 8-meter 26-foot telescope at Mauna Kea, Hawaii, in October of 2015. The Goblin, a 300-kilometer, 190-mile dwarf planet, is currently only 80 astronomical units from the Sun. It comes as close as 65 astronomical units, but plunges to over 2,000 AUs in the depths of space at the farthest point of its 40,000-year orbit. And AU is the distance between the Earth and the Sun. So to put it into perspective, Pluto's, this is the article still, Pluto's aphelion, its furthest point from the Sun, is 49 AU, only three-quarters of the distance to the goblin's closest approach. So it's out there, but here's what's interesting. There's a little bit more in this article. I'll have the links in the show notes. This thing has a 40,000-year orbit. Obviously, none of us live even close to that long. So there is stuff out there. So Planet Nine sounds like it's getting more and more of a reality. Does this lend more credibility to Planet X, to Nibiru, to the Anunnaki? Is it coming closer to us are we getting ready for the uh, that to come back are we going to see that you know, i'm going to get into what tom delange said in a little bit god i'm really trying not to do end times type of stuff but i gotta explore it because this is where my head's going right now as you guys know a lot of times i analyze this stuff as i'm going these thoughts are coming to me i just got to get it out there let's talk about it right let's see am i crazy am i way off or is this possible the Anunnaki, you know, they say that, you know the stuff with Nibiru and, and Ray. There's some great shows where Ray talks about this in a lot more detail that are in the archives. You can find it. But you know, when this planet comes around, apparently it brings forth a lot of destruction. And then the, that's when the Anunnaki came down. They they created the human race. And apparently enslaved the human race and created the hybrids or whatever. Graham Hancock talks about in his book uh, Magicians of the Gods. A celestial object. Now, he called it a comet or a meteor or a celestial impact. But he said this large body rotates through our solar system every, I forget how many, thousands of years. And with it, it brings debris. And that debris is what struck the planet 12,000 years ago, causing the, the massive 
change in, into the Ice Age, you know, 12,000 years ago, which ended the last high society. Are we seeing, I mean, are these things all falling into place or is it me between AI, disclosure, the, the, this planet coming around? I mean, our technological advancements, are we seeing advanced parties coming out here now since, since the, uh, the 40s and, and the 50s? Are they coming back and, and we're seeing the buildup now as this planet's getting closer to us? I, I don't, I don't know. Um, but it, 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 it makes you wonder. It really makes you wonder. So I'll have this article. They've got their own links in there where you can start doing your own research on that. Uh, they got this source originally from, it uh, looks like, NPR and uh, NASA Spaceflight. So check it out. Uh, what other news article? That's it for the news articles I had. All right, so I want to talk I want to talk a little Tom DeLonge. I want to talk a little bit Farsight. Uh, you know what? Let's, let's do Farsight first. So as you know, Farsight, I was tracking their Time Cross project for about the two years they were doing it. They were predicting the news one month in advance, um, you know, and I think they were getting pretty good results given that it was three to four people looking at news on a global scale. Um, I, I think they did a, an excellent job at predicting what was going to happen in the upcoming month. I think that if we were able to scale that down on a community-based level, we'd be able to get some really good usable information. But then it begs the question. And I wanted to ask this to Edward last week. When you view the future with remote viewing data, does that change the future? Or is your viewing of the future already taking into account the fact that you viewed it and shared that information? I'm sure these are questions that minds greater than mine have tackled. I know Courtney Brown did do something on this a while ago. I, I got to go back and look through some of his archives. Um but you, you have to wonder about that. You know, is that is that data that you're getting data that already accounts for you viewing the future? I don't know. Um, is the future what we think it is? I don't know. So they targeted the what they're calling the Alaska anomaly. And he had a screenshot up of it. And on Google Maps, you can see what looks like almost like a a wing, sh like a V-shaped impression in the snow. I don't know if you can still currently see it. I have to check. I was going off of Farsight's data. Um, and it looks like a runway leading up to it, you know, down in Antarctica. Now, this coincides with the story I broke a year and a half ago. I didn't break it, but the story I, I covered on here when David Wilcock came out with his big bombshell saying there's a discovery in Antarctica. John Kerry was down there. Um, who's the other guy? Uh, John Glenn was down there. The Pope was down there, apparently. A lot of high-level officials were down there looking at this, and he says and it's an ancient site. It's an ancient artifact. It's gigantic, and it's technology that's far beyond us, and that this technology, this release, was going to come out. That's what Wilcox said a while ago. Farsight targeted it, and they put four separate viewers who were blind to the target, and they all had nearly identical results on what they saw. Now, again, when you're taking remote viewing data, that should not be your end-all, be-all. But we have other pieces to this puzzle out there that are starting to fit together, and I want to use remote viewing data as well as an important piece of that analysis. And I'm now leaning more towards, I think there's something down there. What they were seeing was, uh, a large craft, and they uh, many of the, uh, several of the viewers out of the four of them, I forget how many saw this, but they looked at how did this craft get there, 
And it sounds like a long time ago, this thing was flying through the atmosphere and another craft hit it with what they said was some kind of lightning type weapon. And it disabled it and it caused it to crash. And that's where it's been ever since. Uh, if they said it, I must have missed it in their analysis. This happened. They, they, they didn't give a I didn't get a specific time reference other than this was a long time ago. Now, Courtney Brown, I believe, in his summation of that, he said um, he believes there were several high societies on this planet in this Earth's history that have risen and fallen. They did do an Atlantis project. Um, that, that one, I think, is available for free in their Mysteries projects where they were looking at anomalies on the, on the floor of the ocean. And it brought them down to a society in Antarctica, and they did. They had some crazy tech going on, and they they drilled a hole deep into the earth, and it opened things up, and it caused like massive, massive destruction on the planet. So that was one of the ancient societies that was advanced that was down there. This craft seems like it was something separate, and Courtney Brown says they almost viewed this as like a religious. Uh, somehow they worshipped this, or uh, in, in some way it had some spiritual significance to them but my friends it sounds like we are getting close to that confirmation that there was another high society we need to be prepared for that whatever that means we need to we need to start to incorporate i'm saying we need to i suggest i don't want to tell you what to do i'm sorry i'm just i'm excited but we i think it's a good idea to mentally prepare for what that could mean how will that affect your belief system. Even if you're like, I believe in aliens, I believe in ancient history. If we get that official acknowledgement that everything we know about history has been a watered-down version of the truth and who we really are is something far different than we've been led to believe. We need to wrap our minds around that. I faced a portion of that reality when my father died. Because I got a glimpse of something. I saw, I felt something else out there. And I think that a, a, a revelation, a revelation, I'm combining words, a realization or a revelation like this could give us that level of shock. That doesn't mean we can't handle it. There may be a period of adjustment for us. There may be a period of depression but I do think it's necessary for growth. And that's okay. It's hard going through change. That doesn't mean it's going to be bad in the end. So Farsight, I'll have the links to their project at uh, sixcentsmedia.net and in the Seeker newsletter. But he made the reference to the, the Atlantean society, and, he, and they, they definitely viewed something. That's a, a, he, they said it was extraterrestrial that had crashed, and they saw modern day, they didn't, I don't know if they used the word excavations, but they had, yeah, they had people on the site, it, they, it sounds like, you know, modern day humans are on the site, and they said this thing was too big for them to remove from that location, so they're just down there learning what they can from whatever it is that they've discovered. So there is something there. Keep that in mind. Now, I, I came across an interview. It, it wasn't the official YouTube channel. It was, uh, it was from a different... It was from Pineal Ascension, published September 20th, 2018. 
I don't know how long this article, how old this interview is. I think it's fairly recent. In the 39 minutes and 13 seconds that this interview lasts, I didn't hear one mention of To the Stars. I didn't hear any mention of Lou Elizondo, how put off Chris Mellon. I didn't hear any of these players' names dropped. So I suspect that this interview comes from before the, the disclosure event in the New York Times. But I can't be certain because it's, it, it could be at any point in time. But it was interesting. George Knapp, um, you know, he's interviewing DeLong. It's, it's, it's a portion of a coast-to-coast show. It's not the whole thing, obviously. A lot of big things were said in that discussion. And in the beginning of this portion of it, George Knapp says this, and I quote, uh, he says, he's quoting, I guess, an early discussion with Tom. He says, it seems like there's another intelligence operating among us. They're called the others, and they may be messing with us. The overall picture is pretty grim. And then George goes on and he says, Are we ready for the full story if we humans are an agricultural product? Are we ready to hear that? Now, here's where it caught my attention. Because all of you understand my research and what really started my push with doing the show um, and, and trying to get things out there was my Archon research. And that came up in this discussion with DeLong and with, uh, with George Knapp. Because my experience with this was direct. This wasn't a conspiracy theory. This wasn't, I read something. This wasn't an analysis I put together. This was an experience I had and an intuitive perception that I had as my father was dying. I got the sense that something was feeding off of him. I had experiences where I woke up and there were things in my room and I felt energy being taken from me when I was scared and I got the impression I'm being made to feel afraid because they are taking that frequency of energy from me. So that's the conclusion I drew. So now to hear George Knapp say that, that concerns me a little bit. I've got to stop my train of thought here for a minute because... Uh, as I was talking about the Archons and about this stuff, my equipment started to malfunction. My audio feed, which is a nice up and down lines, flatlined on me. For some reason, my audio stopped getting picked up. I went back and listened to it, and a big chunk of what I was talking about got wiped out. Is it AI? Is it Archons? Is it just a random coincidence? I, I don't know, but whenever I start talking, not whenever, but a lot of times when I start going down this rabbit hole... Weird stuff starts happening with my tech. Fortunately, it's, it's not a live show, so I'm able to go back and adjust it as I'm watching and monitoring as I go. But hearing George Knapp say that, you know, and, and what I'm saying here, what I was starting to say is that I feel like I'm straddling two sides, this, this dualism here of, well, do we have to fear this? Is this real? Or, hey, be afraid there's something out there. Now, when my father died... My stance was, we're all cattle, and we don't know it, and they're inducing these stressful situations in us in life to scare us because of the energy we produce. 
because that is a form of nourishment. And I found several sources in my research for my book to support that thesis. I'm com- I can confidently make that statement that I do think that scenario exists. But I've also found a lot of hope that there's so much more to that, that we have so much more power. And the only way that is effective is if we are ignorant to that power. And I want to give that disclaimer right now because I'm going to go down some dark roads right now. But I want us to be mindful that even though I'm going to talk about some scary things that seem almost hopeless at times, we have power. And of that, I am confident. And I hope that's been made clear in the 163 podcasts or 162 that I've done before this one. So Tom goes on, Tom DeLong goes on talking with George, and he gives a brief, brief history. And some things stuck, stuck out to me. He talks about, he says, you know, after World War II, you know, they were around World War II, there was a crash in Germany, and there was a crash in, I think he said China. We had our crash here in the U.S. at Roswell, um, and, you know, possibly, another, possibly in Russia. He said, from those crashes, technology was developed. And he said, what's interesting is that, and this is, this is one of the scary things he said. Sorry, I bumped my microphone. He said, of that tech that was developed, it caused us to create factions, you know, the U.S., Russia, China, and fight amongst ourselves. And he alluded to the fact that that was what they wanted. So he said, yes, they could have crashed by accident, Or, he suggests, maybe they crashed those vehicles on purpose to give us this tech. He thinks that we were it was by design to give us this technology because then we'd use it in the ways in which we're using it. Now, that's that's scary, and that connects me back to my Colonel Corso thread in the day after Roswell. It was that one line he said that sticks out to me that he thinks maybe these were crashed here intentionally because of those computer chips. And that's where the AI developed. Is that possible? So now we've got two separate sources saying something very similar, that those crashes may have been intentional to give us this technology to get us in the state that we're in. Now, He's a little bit hypocritical in some of the stuff that he says, I think, or he puts out conflicting information. I don't know that it's necessarily intentional. But he's, he's of the mindset where he says, you know, when the people learn the truth of what the governments have really been doing, they will be thankful. He said, when, when we got a hold of this technology, we went deep underground into these deep underground military bases. And we have developed, what he said, anti-gravity technology and other things to protect ourselves, to protect humanity. So these are actually our saviors. So the cover-ups have been so that the ETs, the bad ETs out there, don't know that we have a means to defend ourselves from them. I, I got to say, I, I don't buy that. I think, I think there's truth behind what he's saying. I don't buy all of that, though. And he did reference, he says... The Maya, Easter Island, Sumer, they were all wiped out by these beings. When they try to do it again, he says, we now have the technology to protect ourselves. 
Do we or do we think we have that technology? Or is that just what he's being fed? That's concerning to me. So that's the reason why the people don't know is because the ETs who have this advanced technology don't realize that their crop or the people who they've enslaved or are planning on enslaving have been developing advanced weaponry based on the technology that they seeded us deep underground that they test up in the air. So if we have this technology, because now, ooh, I got him. He's saying we have this technology to defend ourselves, anti-gravity and all that stuff, yet now with To The Stars Academy, oh my goodness, my friends, I think I have a smoking gun here. To The Stars Academy is putting out, we need to develop these propulsion systems as we study these UFOs. That's what they're putting out into the stars, right? Please correct me if I'm wrong. I got to go back and find this clip here where he said that. All right, I found a, uh, a clip here with um, George Knapp. He had just made the comparison how a lot of people are comparing aliens to demons. And they're saying, they're not aliens, they're demons. And Tom DeLonge responds, and he says some things that are of importance in there. So I'm going to play that clip for you uh, in just a second. Let me get this set up. There, There is a very, very strong link between what people think demons are from the Bible and other religions um, and the UFO phenomenon. And what you have is something that doesn't like man, period, and something that feels um, either jealous of or um, has some kind of plan for what man uh, is to be. And um, I, I, that, that just makes it that much worse when you think about it. I have a quote here I should, I should read you. Um, it says, and this is from one of the advisors, would the link of aliens creating man who then created God to keep us in our place be something worth keeping secret? Mind you, secret with a K, which is how we do secret machines. So I think so. We're talking about the biggest institutions on the planet and the world's major religions. It's bigger than just the big bad U.S. government and going back to the Greeks, and including Russians and Germans, make it sufficiently global across centuries. Maybe evidence of disappeared ancient cultures, Easter Island, the Maya, the Inca, that's evidence of what happened for those who did not obey, thus encouraging the secret to be kept. And could the story evolve from how men exploited, different groups of men exploited this technology to see how the entire secret is uncovered, rewriting world history and shattering many of our most well-regarded holy institutions, except this time when they come to wipe us out like the other ones, we are actually ready for them. And that readiness is another example why things have been kept quiet for so long and has been a strange international partnership indeed. All right, friends, there you have it. He's alluding in one of his books, I, it might have been the first one, I read the first one, it was an audio book, I, I can't remember which one that was in, and this is only a partial interview that I have, um, but I'll share it so you can listen to the full thing, it's a really good interview, but he, he talks about how, you know, maybe they're wiped out in the past, and maybe that technology's been used to exploit different things, but now he's saying, we're ready, we're ready to defend ourselves against them, which means that obviously he's got some kind of information or source alluding that they have, we have some kind of advanced technology, why is the To The Stars Academy publicly putting out there to everybody that <clears throat> we want to study these ships so we can reverse engineer them? Yes, we have a little bit of their tech that we recovered, but we're just starting this out and we want to eventually build our own craft of our own. I think this alludes to the fact that 
we're not getting the whole picture here, my friends. That frustrates me. Now, do you buy the story that they're doing this for our protection? I mean, this is X-Files right here, right? The smoking man and his compadres were developing some kind of antivirus against the black goo, but the, the, yet they were involved in all this horrible, nefarious stuff. Who do you trust? Who do you not trust? I mean, the X-Files seems to be spot on with a lot of stuff here. So are these people really working to our benefit, or are they working to their own benefit? I, I, I don't know. Are we getting the whole story here? I'd say absolutely not. And that's what frustrates me, because again, basically we're, we're being told we can't handle the truth, or, I mean, do you really, do, do these, are these ETs that are so advanced, do they really not know if we don't, that we have this tech, even though Tom DeLong's talking about it on a, on a coast-to-coast AM radio show? Come on now. I just I'm just not buying it. I'm not buying I'm not buying all of it. I think there's some truth in what he's saying because it connects to other things. And a, a listener even called and brought up the archons and he says, "Yes, that's that's a representation." And maybe I just like that because it resonates with my platform. So I need to admit my bias right there. But my platform is based on a lot of research and personal experience. But I guess that's what makes me I'm having this inner conflict now because I, there's just something about this I don't trust. That's all I got to say. There's something about this movement that that I just don't trust. I don't know what it is yet. I, I don't know what it is, but it does. It just doesn't make sense. So, uh, hit me up if you can clarify this, please. Moving on, they did talk about consciousness, which is also very important. And uh, Tom said that you know they're putting together this documentary series, talking about this journey and the people he's been working with. They're trying to get it out. They're working with major networks, so it'll have more credibility behind it when it comes out. And he says what he, who he's hoping to have in it, he has a, a 22-year-old contact source. And this 22-year-old is capable of meditating and calling uh, UFOs to appear. And he says he does it every Sunday. They got video of it. Tom's seen the video. Um, you know, he goes on and talks a little bit about this kid that can do this, but he makes, he says something that paints us in a new picture for me. You know, he says he, he taps into the right frequency of this drone or whatever is out there and it hones in on what this kid's thinking uh, or this kid's meditation, meditation and intent. And then it comes to him. Now his book's called secret machines. Now he's not shown his whole hand, obviously. I don't know what kind of tech's out there. I don't know what kind of old tech is out there. I do know, as I've said before, look, we're working on integrating the human mind with the cloud. Elon Musk is doing that. That's a reality. Google's doing that. We talked about this ad nauseum. It's it's out there, right? And I've been saying we are connected to a wireless internet, the universal. What I, a lot of us believe is some kind of divine force that's out there. And I, I, I hope that's what it is. But there's... I think that there's some kind of old technology running on this planet. Now, what if through Dr. Greer's CE5, what he does, he can call UFOs, and other people who are capable of calling these UFOs, what if they're able to get into the right meditative state to tap into an old tech that's a part of this planet? What if that old tech is attuned to us? What if that old tech is is somehow an AI that is responsible for taking care and protecting this planet, and we really are the guardians, the keepers of the garden, like in Eden. And at one point, we knew how to use this technology. What if we can figure out how to tap into that tech again? What if we can, beyond just making it appear, what if we can have it pick us up? What if we can, have it, what if we can use that to teach us, to defend us? I don't know. I, I'd be curious to see if we could do more than just make it appear. 
If I had if I had the time, I'd be working on that. Maybe Dr. Greer has more information on that. I'm just running down this thread right here. Maybe that's what the secret machine is. I mean, if we really are an agricultural crop, maybe this whole planet is some kind of big machine, but maybe we can hack it. Maybe we can tap into it. Maybe we are a part of it. I, I don't know. Because believe me, if they're collecting energy from fear and suffering, we are also creating a ton of fear of suffering, not just amongst ourselves, but amongst the animals on this planet. It's something we need to be mindful of. Do you want to feed the beast or do you want to starve the beast that's enslaving you? All right, what else did I want to get to? Those were the, those were the big things. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm all over the place. Uh, often you guys tend to like when I'm all over the place, but I, I feel like I, I just rambled on this show. Listen to that. I'll have the links. It'll be at sixcentsmedia.net. It'll be in the secret newsletter. Um, listen to it. It's 39 minutes long. Let me know if you're drawing the same conclusions or, once again, if I've gone wackadoodle. Um, I think the connections are there. I think we need to um, start figuring out what we're going to do because I think this this new reality is coming quick on a lot of fronts. You know, one more thing DeLong said, he says that, you know, the government's realized a long time ago and these, these, these others, these ETs realized that people will follow a religious leader. Um, religion is, is a, basically a means of, of social control and there needs to be a way to get away from that. If you're religious, I'm not saying that in a disrespectful way, but that is a way to indoctrinate us and get us to do and act certain ways and to fight amongst our, quote, perceived enemies because they have different beliefs. We need to start finding our own answers. And I think there's answers hidden within a lot of religions. And, and Tom said something that I did like. He said, um, you know, he looks at the Bible instead as like your, your, your supernatural guide or your guide to the supernatural. I forget the word that he used. But uh, there's information in there. There's information in all the religious texts that paint a picture that there has been an intervention. There has been contact. There have been visitations for a very long time on this planet. If we're aware of that, what are we going to do about it? How can we use our natural abilities to either protect ourselves or better interact with whatever might be out there? They're there. Are we ready? That's the question. Not does our government think we can handle it. Are you ready? If not, what do you need to do to prepare, number one, for that psychological shock that, we're, that might come our way? And I'm saying that not because I think you can't handle it, but if I were to get that announcement today, I would still go through a bit of a shock. Like, oh my God, this really happened in my lifetime. Although I've been expecting it, it's still going to be a moment of shock. So think about it. All right, friends, if you've stuck with me to the end of the show, I want to say thank you so much for, uh, for taking it this, this far with me. Please, please, please continue to like, comment, subscribe. I've started putting stuff up on, uh, on my YouTube channel, and I'm going to start migrating it over as well to the uh, Sixth Sense Media YouTube channel. I, I, Ray and I are, are brainstorming. We've got some other content that's going to come out through YouTube. Uh, I'm trying to start pushing stuff on YouTube. I think there's at least 70-plus podcasts on my YouTube channel right now and a bunch of other goodies. Uh, if you're interested in Gnostic stuff, I have some older, older stuff but still relevant called Daily Gnosis where I was breaking down the Gnostic texts, that's on my YouTube channel as well. And like I said, we're going to start migrating a lot of this stuff over to uh, the Sixth Sense Media YouTube channel um, as well for those of you that are YouTube friendly and would prefer to be on that platform. That's where we're, we're moving some stuff towards. So check it out. Like us on Facebook, 
facebook.com slash the six cents media but protect your information on there as well i got to give that caveat find me on instagram author dennis snappy the second and again please like and comment like and comment like and comment and share 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 and if you listen on itunes give it a rating just if you're on your phone scroll down you'll see the stars at the bottom Give me that rating if you want to write a comment. That's great. It helps. It, it helps with the algorithms expose other people to the show. We are a small operation, but I believe in what we're doing. I believe we've got good information right now. Your call to action: please help share it. If you get the newsletter, forward it to somebody else. Forward it to ten people. Forward it to other people to get the information out there. Please, I, I need your help. That's all I can say. Comment, share, like it on that. Blah 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 blah. Check us out. Six Cents Media. .net where you can find everything. We're working on some merch as well, my friends. All right, I'm out of time. I'm Dennis Nappy II. This has been another episode of The Secret Podcast, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. Keep an open mind. Thank you.